Every Lord's Day in the afternoon service, we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism as a summary of Christian doctrine, and we find ourselves this afternoon in Lord's Day 2, that's on page 518 of your books of praise. This is the beginning of the first major section of the Catechism. There the question is, from where do you know your sins and misery? From the law of God. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in a summary in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Can you keep all of this perfectly? No. I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. So far the Heidelberg Catechism. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, every year we, we go through the Heidelberg Catechism as a way, we, we saw this last week, as a way of building and strengthening our faith, working through what, what may be basic doctrines of the faith, but what we find uh, every year as we, as we look at these and take them head on, we realize there's a lot that we still have to learn. Uh, even if we may know the core truths of, of the faith, Yet there are ways in which we still can grow in our understanding, uh, in our relationship with Christ, in in our walk of life, in applying these truths to the details of our lives. Uh, We we come at these issues in in different places, all of us do. Uh, Some older, some younger, uh, some newer to the Christian faith, and some uh, with with many years in the Christian faith. Uh, But all of us, uh, seeing... uh, Areas in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives being renewed or strengthened or confirmed as we work through through these truths. That's also true when we when we deal with what you might call the hard truths of the Catechism, the hard truths of the Christian faith. Um, Jordan Peterson, a name that uh, I suspect many of you know, a psychology professor at the University of Toronto. Uh, one of the things he's famous for is is his dark but honest view of human nature. Uh, He's a big believer in in the psychologist Carl Jung, who who has this elaborate uh, view on human nature. Uh, And he believes that that human beings are capable of being virtuous, of doing doing things that are good. But he says that, that true virtue only happens once you've become acquainted with the monster that lives within. Uh, referring to the evil that you are also capable of doing and being. And, and that's something that he points out very few people want to see. Uh, you don't want to, to explore that part of who you are. And he says the result is people never deal with the evil they're capable of, and then it surprises them when they're in the right moment with the right opportunity and, and circumstance. Uh, so he often quotes Carl Jung, who, who once said, What you most want to find will be in the place where you least want to look. Because that's the place you haven't yet looked. Uh, What you most want to find is going to be found in the place where you least want to look. Well, in this, we can agree with with Dr. Peterson and with, with Carl Jung. What you most need to know about yourself is going to be found 
in the places you least want to look. And so every year as we explore the the truths of the gospel and of our faith, we also need to spend time in these these dark places, in in the areas we we probably least want to, to look. As we do this, we want to remember from the outset Our goal here is not to to punish ourselves or to afflict ourselves, uh, but rather to to see clearly the things about ourselves that we need to know so that we can have the comfort and the joy uh, that we saw last week in Lord's Day 1, that that confidence in Christ. We saw in Lord's Day 1, if we're going to have that kind of faith that lived in the psalmist in, in Psalm 73 or that that has, we've seen in, in people we know or you can see in, in church history as the Reformers uh, laid down their lives or as the early Christians gave their lives to the lions out of the joy that they knew they had in Christ. If you want that joy, it will be found through the hard work of, of knowing the truths of the gospel. Uh, so that's how Lord's Day 1 finished. What do you need to know in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort? And, and there were three, three answers. You need to know your sin. You need to know how you're saved from your sin. And you need to know how to live now before, before God. Uh, so we begin by, by needing to know our sin, needing to know ourselves. Uh, Christ came to deliver us from our sin, and if we're going to rejoice in that gospel and understand what that means for our lives and, and know how to live well out of that gospel truth, we will need to know the enemy from which we are saved, the thing that, that Christ came to, to deliver us from. If we don't know ourselves well, in other words, we rob God, we rob Christ of His glory for saving us, And we rob ourselves of that deep, humble gospel joy. That's why we need to know our sin. Uh, And even though it is a a painful process, looking at ourselves, seeing ourselves for who we are, it's a process of, uh, Scripture uses the language of bringing dark things into the light. It's a process of taking what's dark and putting it out into the light so that it may be dealt with by Christ and and we may know and experience His grace and His truth in our lives. It's a lot easier in in the short run, it's a lot easier uh, to ignore or downplay these, these things that we don't want to know about ourselves. But there's no true joy to be found there. Uh, You won't get to the truth that sets you free, right? Christ says that the truth will set you free. You won't get there by ignoring the parts of the truth you don't want to see. Uh, True joy is found in the truth. So that's why we do this. That's why we open our Bibles and listen to God in Scripture telling us about who we are. Uh, The truth is not going to be easy. We're going to be here for a couple of weeks at least, and it's not going to be easy. We're opening God's Word. We're listening to God tell tell us who we are and show us things we'd rather not see. We often tell ourselves, even as Christians, we, we tell ourselves, maybe, maybe subconsciously, that we're pretty good people, all things considered. We live under that, that wrong impression. Maybe we even think we're, we're very good people. Uh, So it will be hard to accept and really take to heart that we are wretched 
sinners, as Scripture uh, describes us. Uh, and not just, uh, not just in a manner of speaking as, as, as a theological term, but as, as a reality that really does affect and, and exist in our lives. So it will be hard. We're going we're gonna to look at the, the trail of damage that sin causes, uh, the brokenness that, that is there in our lives that, that Scripture shows we, we leave behind by the things that we do uh, or, or the things that we ought to do and don't do. Uh, they do cause brokenness. And, and Scripture shows this to us so that we would, we would see it. Uh, so God shows us things we'd rather not see, and God's Word takes us places we might rather not go. Uh, in the next Lord's Days, we're going to uh, look at some of the excuses that, that we as, as human beings tend to tell ourselves. And we're going to have those excuses one by one taken away, saying, this, you can't tell yourself this, it doesn't work. Uh, we're going to have those excuses taken away. We're going to be brought before a righteous, holy God uh, who puts a price on our sin. Who cares about our, our, even the little sins in our lives? And when we're faced with, with those sorts of hard truths, the temptation is to retreat back into our shell, to say, uh, maybe I didn't want to go down this road after all. Maybe it's not as bad uh, as, as it now appears. And maybe we are pretty good people after all. But we must remember as we go down this road, there's no comfort to be had in, in lies. There's the, the comfort and joy we have is one that will be found in the truth. Uh, for us to know then the, the unbreakable, un, unshakable joy, the, that overflowing joy of the gospel we saw last week in Lord's Day 1, uh, everything is going to have to be on the table. Everything must be laid before the cross of Christ. Uh, we can't hold anything back from the Word of God. The scripture speaks of the Word of God as a, a double-edged sword that, that, that cuts between bone and marrow, that, that discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. That's what the Word of God does. Uh, and that's what we should let the Word of God do. And the more we do that, the more we stand before the truth of God's Word, confessing the truth, the brighter and the more glorious the gospel will shine. The more we bring ourselves before the truth and let God speak, the brighter and the more beautifully the gospel will shine. So let's open the word of God then, uh, that he might begin to speak hard words and healing words to us. Uh, the picture that we find uh, of humankind, all the way back in, in Genesis 8, is a dark picture. And actually, the story begins even before that, of course, in Genesis 6, where God looks at the whole human race uh, before the flood. And even back in Genesis 5, uh, it describes how humankind, how the descendants of Adam and Eve spread over all the earth. And then Genesis 6 gives, gives God's analysis, God's evaluation of the human race. This is Genesis 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And, listen to this, that, the, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's a, that's a heavy evaluation from God, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it says, The Lord regretted that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping, creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. 
But then it says, Noah found favor in, in the eyes of the Lord. Now, we might say, well, you know, man is pretty bad, but at least, at least there was Noah, right? Uh, so, so we're not all evil, and we, after all, are the descendants of Noah, so at least things got, got a little bit better. And it's true, Noah is described elsewhere as a righteous man. But if you know anything at all about Noah's life, it, it was at best a sort of relative righteousness. Uh, he was not the same as his neighbors, but he was certainly not the model of a righteous man. In, in Genesis 9, we read about Noah getting drunk and, and uh, sleeping naked in front of his children, and that's, that's how they find him. This is, not, this is not your model of a righteous man. Uh, what we see in Noah is a righteousness that comes by faith. That's the point that Paul makes uh, later on. It's a righteousness that comes by relationship with God, looking ahead to the sacrifice of Christ. It's not a righteousness that Noah had in and of himself. Uh, scripture is very honest about his failures. And perhaps the more revealing text, then, is the one we read in Genesis 8. This is after the flood, uh, where now God looks at, at the, the new human race, so to speak, uh, coming out of Noah, and look what God says to himself in, in Genesis 8, uh, verse 20. It says, Noah built an altar for the Lord and took some of every clean animal and every clean bird and, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nothing changed about the heart of man. Instead, the Lord saw sacrifice and, and, and looked ahead to what Christ would do. He said, never again will I curse them, though nothing has changed. Uh, so Noah is, is no exception here to the truth that God spoke all the way back in, in chapter 6. Here, here's the truth then, according to the word of God, no matter who it is, even, even the most righteous man on earth, the intention of his heart is still evil all the way from his youth. That's a hard truth that Scripture lays before us. It's a hard truth to take to heart. We might uh, confess that, that we are sinners. We're used to doing that in a Reformed church. But to really believe that the intention of my heart is evil from my youth, at least by, by nature, that's a hard truth. Uh, the story that we, we tell ourselves is that, yes, we're not perfect. No one, no one goes around claiming to be perfect. Uh, but we are still relatively good people. You know, we go to church, uh, we, you know, we, we live fairly upright lives, and, and, and so on and so forth. We tell ourselves we're, we're fairly good people. But God's Word points us to Noah, the most righteous man on earth, uh, and yet God still says the intention of his heart is evil from his youth. And what we want to learn from that is that the, the evil intentions in our hearts run far deeper and they spread far wider than we realize. See, we look at a righteous man uh, and we say, see, there is some good in us. God looks at the same man from his perspective of absolute holiness and says, even so, the intentions of his heart are evil. Uh, John Calvin uh, once used the metaphor, I thought it was helpful, uh, that if, if all you see is a world of black, and then in all that world you see a spot of brown, it will look to you like the purest white. But God sees it for what it is, which is still deeply, profoundly uh, dirty, uh, profoundly corrupt. Uh, 
Uh, so, so it is uh, with, with Noah. And this is, this is far from the only place where Scripture teaches us this truth. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Not one. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 3. Uh, this is even worse. The hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. Or as we sang from, from Psalm 130, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who, O Lord, could stand? God's vision of our sin, and, and not just our sin, but our sinfulness, our corruption, is far clearer than our own. Uh, he knows, as we saw this morning, He knows not only the sins we've done, but the, sins that we, the things we ought to have done that we didn't, and even more, the things we're capable of doing given the right time and circumstance. And this is why the Catechism points out, this is why we need the law of God, to see this ourselves all the more clearly. Uh, it's only a few months back we finished working our way through the, the Ten Commandments, uh, looking at each one, and our purpose there was, was so that we would come to know uh, what freedom looks like. That was what the refrain I mentioned every week. Uh, God set us free so that we may live as a free people. Uh, but as we worked through the law, we also saw that it, it functions like a mirror. When you see, when you look at the law and you see, this is what God would have me be, by that you can also see, this is who I presently am. And, and it's not yet what God would have me be. And, and we need the law of God to do this. Well, in this Lord's Day, in Lord's Day 2, the Catechism zooms in on, on the summary of the law in Matthew 22. If you want to boil all of the Ten Commandments down into, into one simple or two simple commandments, it is love God and, all, and love your neighbor. That's the heart of the law, and, and that serves then to measure our hearts. And, and you can then take that one truth and the Ten Commandments break it down into, into ten specific perspectives. So the Ten Commandments would ask, do I love the Lord my God with all my heart? Well, then why do I have so many other gods that I put before Him as evidenced by the way I spend my time, my money, my energy, uh, by, by the lack of a prayer life? Uh, so the first commandment, have no other gods, puts to test uh, the, the question, do I love God with all my heart? Or, do I love God with all my heart? Then why does it hardly bother me, second commandment, when other people blaspheme the name of God? Why do I get so worked up when someone speaks ill of me, and it seems to bother me so little when they speak ill of my God? Or the third commandment, uh, if I love the Lord God with all, with all my heart, why do I still... Uh, Excuse me, that was, that was the third commandment. Uh, the fourth one, if I love the Lord God with all my heart, why do I see the Lord's day as a burden? Why do I prefer to do something else that, that, that reveals what goes on in the heart? Uh, or, or you can, and you can do this with all of them. The fifth commandment, if I love the Lord God with all my heart, why don't I honor and love the parents that God has given me? That's a test of my love for Him. Uh, do I, and the same is true, of course, with the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Then why do you hold on to grudges for years and years? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Then why do you betray your neighbor, your, your closest neighbor, your spouse, uh, by, by lusting after others? 
Do I love my neighbor as myself? Then why am I bitter when God blesses my neighbor sometimes and doesn't bless me in the same way? So the Ten Commandments break it down into specifics to reveal what really goes on in our hearts. And so we see again, God's law searches out our hearts. That, that double-edged sword that the Word of God is, it cuts through uh, our excuses. It exposes lies that we tell ourselves and shows us who we are. Uh, what happens then at the, at the heart level shows us, uh, will we'll also predict what happens at, at the life level. Uh, everything else is just circumstance and, and opportunity. If we lust at the heart level, we will commit adultery given the right time and opportunity. If we harbor hatred at the heart level, we will murder given the right opportunity. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says that the heart is the wellspring of life. Meaning that everything else we think, feel, and do flows out of what goes on in our hearts. And that's the point that the Lord Jesus also makes in, in Mark 7 that we read about. Uh, the, the context is, is that the Lord Jesus was being confronted by the religious uh, leaders of his day who, who thought of themselves as righteous people. And that's where the, this rebuke comes from. They, they think of themselves as, as righteous people uh, because of their observances of, of, of these sorts of ritual laws, washing their hands and cups and, and couches and, and so forth. Uh, and, and this is how many religious people see themselves, but it's, it's not seeing ourselves as God sees us. That's the point the Lord Jesus makes. It's not what, what's out there that contaminates you, uh, and it's ludicrous to suggest before God that, that you might be contaminated by something out there. God sees the contamination, and it's not out there. It's in here. It's in the heart. Uh, so, so the Lord says in, in verse 14, uh, hear me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Or again in verse 20, uh, what comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And they, he says, are what defile a person. And if we say, you know, people are good, people are generally good, but it's society that, that, that defiles them, this is where the Lord Jesus would say, no, uh, where does it come from in society? It comes from within the human heart. It comes from each of us. God sees us as we truly are. Well, this is where we need to begin in, in, our, in our journey of seeing, uh, of working through the doctrines of the Christian faith uh, on that road to the joy and refuge we, we talked about in Lord's Day 1. We need to begin with the truth about ourselves. Uh, we read uh, this morning also from 1 John 1 verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh, that's not the way to joy. Uh, whenever we deny or minimize or excuse our sin, uh, even, even if we're willing to confess in general terms that we are sinners, as, as we Reformed people are, are good at confessing, uh, it, whenever we deny, minimize, or excuse our specific sins, we're hiding from ourselves the truth 
of who we are. And that lie keeps us from the grace of God. Uh, by, by taking refuge in a lie, you're not bringing yourself closer to the grace of God. Uh, whenever we tell ourselves a different story uh, about who we are or about how, how serious our sins are or how evil the things that we have done uh, are or, or, how, or what our motives were, we're making God out to be a liar and we're not bringing ourselves closer to that joy that we saw in Lord's Day 1. So... The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news, but it's good news for sinners. It's good news for uh, for sinners. It's the good news that God so loved this world of, of broken sinners, evil people whose hearts are inclined, as as the Catechism says, says, to to hate Him and hate their neighbors. It's it's the good news that God gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world and die the death that we deserved to die after living the life we ought to have lived so that whoever turns turns to Him and trusts in Him might not perish but have everlasting life. The Gospel is good news for sinners. But there is no good news for those who do not know themselves to be sinners uh, or who refuse to be held accountable uh, to the truth of God. There's no good news for people that believe that they're relatively good people and and that this is somehow going to give them a pass before the righteous holy God. There's there's no good news for them. Uh, There's no reconciliation with God through the blood of Christ for those who see no need to be reconciled to God. So we begin every year by, by acknowledging the truth about our sin and our misery. Uh, as I said, we're going to spend several weeks here because these are heavy truths that we, we must see. It's the, the first step in, in, in understanding Christian doctrine. Uh, we need to see them and we can't just gloss over them. Uh, so next week we're going to go deeper in examining the condition of our hearts, and then the week after, we're going to think about the just judgment of God uh, that uh, against our sins, the judgment that our sins deserve. That God has said is coming. We saw this in Colossians as well. The wrath of God is coming uh, on this world. These are hard truths to face. But one one final word: as Christians, we ought not to be afraid to face these truths. Uh, Yes, they are uncomfortable. They they will be. Uh, They are painful. Uh, Yes, recognizing them does sometimes come with consequences, implications uh, for our lives, things that we we suddenly realize, I need to deal with this, uh, this sin that God is pointing out. So there will be work for us to do, but we we wouldn't dare start down this road if we didn't know that there's also hope uh, on the other side. Uh, The reason we dare to see ourselves honestly in the light of God's word is because we know that there is hope for sinners like us, and it's hope that is sealed at the cross of Christ. Uh, So the road of truth, by God's grace, is a road we know leads to joy. It's a road that leads us back to the God for whom we were created and for whom we were also bought by the blood of Christ. Uh, So, brothers and sisters, as we work through these in the next uh, several weeks, uh, don't shortchange God's work uh, by hurrying through this section 
of the Catechism. Let's take our time to to think through it well. Uh, The things that we most need to see are likely going to be in the places we least want to look. Uh, Recognize that that for those of us who know Christ, who already trust in Him, that He will also stand beside us and walk alongside of us in in this journey. Indeed, it is only by His Spirit that we will ever see these things. Uh, No no truth, then, no matter how dark uh, or how difficult, can separate us from the love of our Savior. So let's grow in our faith by His power and His grace. Let's, let's uh, take the time to, to better appreciate the depth from which we've been saved so that we may also then live out of the height of glory uh, that is ours in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing in response uh, to God's word from hymn 28, stanzas 2 through 5. <clears throat>